0: Hello and welcome to today's edition of the InfoSec Institute's weekly video series and podcast. Today we'll be talking to our guest, Lisa Hedges of Gartner, about security awareness issues in the healthcare field. Lisa Hedges is a content analyst at Software Advice, the leading online service for businesses navigating the software selection process. She reports on technology trends and reports on several markets, including medical, accounting, supply chain management, and enterprise resource planning. Lisa joined the Gartner family in June 2017 after earning her M.A. in English from Mississippi College and her B.A. in Education from Ole Miss. Lisa Hedges, thank you for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Great. Uh, uh, So let's start with what I think is probably one of the scariest hacking-related headlines currently being reported, uh, which is that we're hearing that hackers and criminals have found ways to implement malware directly into pacemakers, which could cause them to run down the battery or even alter patients' heartbeats. So I know that there are recalls happening, but uh, what else can be done to prevent these types of health-related cyber attacks before they get started?
1: Yeah, that's a really scary thing that we're starting to see um, in the healthcare world with these standalone medical devices like pacemakers and insulin pumps. Um, and it happens because of things like their remote monitoring features or you know their inability to support encryption or access control which makes them really vulnerable to these types of really scary attacks. Um, So the recalls are really helpful. That's sort of uh, a way for the product creators to bring it all back and reassess what they're doing in order to make them stronger. Another thing um, that is going to be really helpful in preventing these kinds of attacks is to make sure that um, they are updated regularly, that they get those proper firmware updates consistently. Mm -hmm. And that means um, making patients aware of how important it is to come in and get those updates done, especially on those devices that they wear, you know, out in the world. Um, with firmware updates, that um, that can those types of things affect authorization, uh, and that can make it trickier for hackers to gain access. Which is, you know, the goal. Anything we can do to make it harder for hackers is uh, a win for us.
0: So right. that's
1: the thing that I see.
0: So, it, I mean, I might be getting this completely wrong, but it almost sounds like that the issue is that there's almost not quite enough software on, you know, as we go toward the Internet of Things, that that the software is a little too simplistic and that it has to be sort of reconfigured for sort of like more sort of security uh, access and so forth.
1: I mean, yes, I think that's the trick with any kind of security, um, you know, approach, especially with technology Hackers are highly motivated, and they're changing their strategies all the time. And so, um, software creators and developers and users have to be constantly vigilant. And that's what it's going to take, especially right. in healthcare, where you know it becomes really serious.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just a sort of a constant arms race to you know yeah. add, add more yeah. things. So, along with the uh, pacemakers story, what are some of the other um, what are the other biggest security emergencies in healthcare right now that need to be addressed? That maybe aren't quite as you know uh, it, you know exciting or or sort of click worthy.
1: Yeah, um, well, that's a good question. One thing that um, is sort of coming more and more into play is the idea of BYOD, which is bring your own device. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's getting more and more popular because it sort of increases patient engagement. It's so easy. Just bring your own smartphone and you can do it all, you know, from your couch if you want to, which is great in terms of patient engagement, but it's also pretty dangerous in terms of like, you know, transmitting um, protected healthcare information in unsecured ways. And also you've got to worry about training patients on how to use it. And so that to me is something that I see um, requiring some attention in the future.
0: Hmm. That's, in- that's interesting because we hear about BYOD a lot as being a, a security concern, but usually think of it in terms of, you know, your employees are bringing their tablet or they're doing work from home on their computer and, and logging in and stuff. But the the, the the magnitude of this is so much larger if your entire um, set of patients are all sort of trying to access their medical records through your, through your portal. So, um, sort of speaking to uh, patients' personal health information or PHI, uh, I know that you know, I worked for a, a medical society in the early 2000s and I know that the security risks of storing and accessing and updating from paper to digital and you know, proper disposal is one that plagued the healthcare industry for decades. So what is the current state of uh, PHI security tactics? Uh, and have things been improving? Well,
1: so, um, right now when you think PHI, you think HIPAA. That's the big law yep. that protects it. And um, and so really like HIPAA is what basically controls what physicians do and how they can access the data and how they can use it. And, um, and that's pretty much what we have to look at in terms of government regulations that protect us. Um, There's also the new um, program that was just announced earlier this year, the My Health eData, which is sort of encouraging physicians and patients to embrace this idea that patients have as much access as they want or need uh, to their own personal information, Mm -hmm. but we also have to make sure it stays secure, which is difficult because, you know, um, I can't think of a, really perfect uh idiom to go for here but the more people who have have access to that information the more vulnerable it becomes Mm -hmm. um so i think uh you know the state of um phi is scary (laughs) that may be my opinion but i think um you know there are there's so much that needs to be done in order to make sure it's secure and protected and the more people who start getting their hands on it, the less gets done to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and it's such a multi-pronged problem. And also, um, you know, it's, it's being asked, you know, the changes are being asked to be done by people who are already so overworked in the daily basis that it's very hard to imagine, you know, your, your, your hospital staff having time to, you know, update all these, you know, firmware updates or adapt to these new software challenges and so forth. So, uh, so what, what are some of the, um, sort of strategies that are being worked right now to sort of um, keep on top of this?
1: Um, Well, a lot of training, I think, and training is going to be a big theme um, because, you know, the, the really important thing in terms of getting employees, hospital employees to follow security protocol is to make them aware of what the threats are. And, you know, if they get, Um, a security training once a year and like just a quick refresher that takes half an hour. That's not cutting it on a daily basis. They have to, you know, follow best practices and um, and they have to know why they're doing it. So I think that can be like a lot of people are doing it really well. A lot of people need to be doing it better. But for me, the most important thing is just going to be to communicate and collaborate in your team uh, in order to make sure that everybody is aware of the problem and doing their very best to prevent it,
0: yeah, and then I think that's you know um, yeah I mean that's the best you can hope for honestly, but it's uh, um, you know but it seems like it's getting done. you know you go to the doctor and and just in the last couple of years, it seems like so much more health information is you know easily available and cross referenced versus you know the doctor coming in with a stack of you know your old paperwork this thick and what have you so.
1: Yeah, which is great for for patient engagement and and it makes things easier. It does make life easier. Um, And then also, you know, there are are built-in features in that kind of software that are meant to um, make sure everything is safe. Like two-factor authentication is great for physicians and for patients who are using their own devices. Um, Data encryption is a huge one. You know, those things help. And so it's really, it's sort of um, you have to, Bring together these built-in security features and the best practices for using the devices.
0: Yeah, and, and the be, and, and the benefit of that too. It seems like, um, especially with older patients who might feel kind of intimidated about asking their doctor to sort of access their their old health information. You know, it seemed like such a you know a black box for so many years. Now it's 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 very encouraging to hear that you could just sort of pull up what your doctor is written or recommended or whatever and and get a better sense of your sort of treatment path.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So let's go back uh, one step down the, uh, the, the the ladder and talk about the current state of the supply chain security issues. So we've, you know, we've been hearing for instance, that uh, medical suppliers, if not sufficiently guarded that, you know, medical supply warehouses could be hacked into or tampered with. Um, What are some of the sort of current, Uh, defenses, whether online or physical, that are being uh, implemented to make sure that uh, stuff like this doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, that's interesting uh, because a lot of people don't really think about, you know, the threat or the vulnerabilities before the devices even get into the medical offices. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I see is that, um, you know, it's the process of configuring new devices like with existing health, with existing IT infrastructures. That's when it becomes really vulnerable. And that's uh, an opportunity for hackers to attack because you know it's connected to the internet and it's not being really like, monitored and all hackers really need is an internet connection uh, in order to get to an exposed device. So that's sort of a moment during the supply process that I think could use some shoring up in terms of defenses Um, But some things uh, there are like, you know, if you're using firewalls, again, encrypting your data, and then they have like threat management, um, which can help you just sort of pay attention and be aware. I mean, it's really, it's mostly software protections and, um, you know, it's just sort of paying attention to those things and making sure that they're up to date and being used. Uh, and then the other thing is um, you've got to pay attention to the third parties that you're working with. And, you know, doing that kind of background research to to make sure that the people that you are relying on to provide secure software or devices are trustworthy, have not, you know, aren't vulnerable, have not suffered any attacks or know how to handle those types of things. Like, you got to choose your company really well, um, and so that's going to be kind of that personal, you know, the human way of making sure those attacks don't happen.
0: So has the Internet of Things uh, provided either sort of an improvement on these challenges or more of an impediment? Um, having having so much uh, sort of connectivity, has that has that helped or hindered in any way?
1: It, both. It's done both. Yeah.
0: It's yeah. a
1: frustrating answer, but it, it really has. I mean, by, you know, it, they're making everything so much more convenient and better for patients which improves you know patient outcomes and um and they're great and it's the way of the future and it's progress and it also means that we have to progress how we defend it as well so it's 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 a a double-edged sword i would guess
0: yeah. So going back to we we discussed a little bit about security awareness education, um, but what is what is the role in your mind of security awareness education versus more sort of process driven security tactics? And do you sort of have a, a best practices for educating medical staff, educating patients? Uh, anything that you've you found that is uh, especially helpful in that regard versus uh, firewalls and encryptions, or in a, you know hand in hand with them? I suppose.
1: Yeah, that's tough. Um both i think my opinion of of the role of the education versus the um you know the security tactics themselves is that they are hand in hand Mm -hmm. and if you separate them you are just asking for failure um you have to make sure that everybody on the team knows what's going on knows why it matters um And then knows what to do so that means that means um getting the it team and the nursing staff in the same room so that everybody can get on the same page and it doesn't become an us and them or a you know you know the it guys versus the medical staff it can't be that because you're all on the same team you know you're doing different jobs but you know your everything you do depends on the hospital or the practice being successful and not, not suffering any setbacks. And so you've got to work together, Um, which may be more of a vague answer than you were hoping for. But really what I've seen is that you just have to, you just got to get them in the same room.
0: Yeah. We, um, one of our our services that we have is called security IQ and, you know, allows us to uh, users to send out fake phishing emails to, you know, their staff or their friends or family or whatever. And, you know, it's totally safe. And then if they fall for it, then you watch a, a small educational video. But um, just jumping into that, what I was going to say is that one of the things that we found is especially useful is not just, as you say, getting everyone into the room and saying we're all on the same team, but also sort of repeated sort of exposure to this. Not And, and you said before, not just, you know, a, one, a once a year security training, half hour, and then we're done. But you you know, everyone can fall for it, but also if you're sort of thinking about it because it, you know, happened two weeks ago or whatever, it seems like it keeps people sort of more aware as well.
1: Definitely. And the idea of practicing too, I really love that, that, you know, you get to experience what it would be like uh, in a low stakes situation where there's actually no real threat. I think that's genius. And um, yeah, I think the more that people are exposed to it, the better.
0: Um, Turning to the sort of more, uh, uh, again, very sort of exciting but scary side of the news here, Uh, on Infosec Resources, we covered last year several stories of hospitals that had hit by, uh, been hit by ransomware, including the famous WannaCry hack. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, has the healthcare industry as a whole made adjustments to prevent future similar attacks, or is ransomware still kind of a persistent threat?
1: Yes, there have been some attempts made to protect against those types of attacks. Um, but also, bigger yes, ransomware is still a huge threat in the healthcare industry. Um, so things like WannaCry and SamSam um, really illustrate like what you have to do and how vigilant you have to be. Um, so some of the things that people are doing right now to protect against those types of attacks are backing up data backups um, and making sure that they have everything stored and secure so that they can access it, which is actually what, um, there was a recent attack, fairly recent attack on Blue Springs, a medical practice called Blue Springs. Um, and uh, hackers gained access to, it was nearly 45,000 patients, something like that, A massive amount of patients and they had access to it. and. Um, Blue Springs had all that data backed up. And so they were able to just sort of recreate the system based on what they had okay. and they weren't forced to pay the ransom yep. uh, in order to recover access, which is, um, by the way, what the, the HHS, HHS is, uh, recommending. They don't really want healthcare providers to give in yes. to these attacks, which is, you know, it's sort of a non-negotiation policy, which is great. And, um, It has the goal of, you know, discouraging future attackers if they find that they can't get any, anything out of doing it. Um, But it's also still scary. There's also still the concern of, you know, um, hospitals who are faced with the decision to either pay off attackers and sort of do damage control now, which is, you know, you got to be honest, really tempting, Um, or sticking to their guns and preventing future attacks and doing you know I guess future damage control um, for the greater good. That's a hard decision to ask healthcare providers to make uh, yeah. and it's sort of what they're facing
0: so so uh, w- with regards to the ransomware attacks, I know that you know the sort of general demand is or else we delete all of the privacy data so you, you're sort of um, countermanding that by having the backups, but has there been any examples of like, if you don't pay, we release the personal data out into the world or something like that? That seems like that would up the stakes significantly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, is, there, I and not, is there
0: any way around that?
1: Yeah, I'm not aware of any of those types of threats. Although, I mean, it's it seems like the next logical step. You know, if you're thinking from a hacker's, hacker's perspective, yep. you know, if you don't give me what I want. I'll do this if that's not a big enough motivator for you. I'll do this worst thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's you know that's part of what makes it really hard not to give in Mm -hmm. to ransomware. And uh, to be honest with you, I am not sure what would be done in those situations.
0: Yeah,
1: I I don't know either.
0: Well, jumping onto that, so what are uh, you know uh, along with hack pacemakers and supply chain issues and ransomware, what are Uh, I feel like I'm giving our our listeners like 10 new reasons to be terrified. But uh, what are some of the the challenges on the horizon that security awareness experts are preparing for in healthcare?
1: Um, So those um, BYOD is I think one thing that we're really getting ready. We're gearing up to figure out how to secure everybody's devices, which is going to be honestly a pretty major challenge, um, but a, a necessary one, I think. Um, and just sort of educating patients on like when it's okay to use this app or, you know, how to, how to protect yourself, you know, that kind of stuff. Patient engagement is such a, such a buzzword these days. And um, it refers to, you know, getting patients involved with their own healthcare care and treatment. But we're also going to need to start getting them involved with protecting their information. So I sort of see that as the next step um, personally.
0: Sort of narrowing it down to sort of an individual, I'm thinking in in terms of like maybe a doctor's office or even hospital staff, like what's one thing that healthcare providers or employees can change in their daily office routine to make things safer? You know, I mean, you can hire security experts, you can do this, but like, what's, what's one thing you could change today? Training. Training. I
1: mean, getting people involved and like you said, you know, being constantly exposed to the dangers and aware of, um, that would be, especially in small practices, just, you know, cause you think about the, the tiny, like, uh, you know, the dock in a box in a small town in Minnesota, like, you know, they're not necessarily hyper aware of all of these cyber threats. So doing the work to make them aware is gonna be the one huge thing.
0: And on that note, I think we're going to uh, uh, wrap it up today. Thank you very much, uh, Lisa Hedges, for being with me today. And uh, thank you all for listening and watching. Uh, You can find more of these videos on our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and type in Infosec Institute, I-N-F-O-S-E-C, and you'll find our page with lots and lots of videos for you to watch. If you'd rather have us in your ears during your workday, all of our videos are also available as audio podcasts. Just search for Cyberspeak with Infosec Institute on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to read more about security awareness topics, and especially security awareness topics in healthcare, there's an entire section uh, just based on uh, healthcare topics. Please visit resources.infosecinstitute.com for thousands of articles, labs, videos, and more. Thanks again to Lisa Hedges, and thank you all for watching and listening. We'll talk to you next week.